Welcome to episode 37 of 1530. So today we're going to be talking about, first of all, Alexander Zverev and his impressive march through to uh, defeat Berrettini in the final of Madrid. That's actually his fourth, his fourth, excuse me, Masters tournament win. So we'll talk about him and how his quality of play has improved, especially on the clay. We'll talk about some of the other competitors on clay, people that are playing super well. We'll talk about Rafael Nadal, kind of some mixed messages he's sending us. In some ways, he's looking settled. He's able to, to whip some beautiful banana shots up the line, play some really good tennis. And then other times, he's befuddling. He's losing to people that he doesn't usually lose to and making life more complicated for himself by dropping sets. So Rafa's sending some mixed messages to us. But we'll, we'll talk about his numbers specifically and kind of what we're seeing from Nadal. Though with Nadal and Clay, you can't really count them out. So today is all about Clay, talking about recapping Barcelona and the Madrid Masters, and then looking forward to not only the French Open, but talking about Rome, which is the last kind of big checkpoint, the last Masters tournament really before the French Open. So I think we'll get some more signs to see how Nadal is doing, but also maybe who's going to be kind of that second favorite, third favorite kind of going into Roland Garros. Welcome to 1530. Now introducing your hosts, Ben and Matt. We'll go ahead and jump into the stat of the day. So the stat of the day is 79%. This is an interesting stat. It's 79% participation rate, actually. So this is the participation rate in the Madrid Masters Tournament by the ATP Tour for eligible players. So this is uh, the highest participation rate this year for any tournament, with the exception of, of course, the Australian Open, the Grand Slam. So pretty interesting stat because normally each Masters tournament gets into the 80% or high 70s very easily, depending on injuries, but usually pretty high because all the top players not only want to be there for points, but usually they have, they're required to be there unless they're injured. But this year's just been a unique year, right? We're still dealing with the fallout of the COVID-19 pandemic. One Masters was canceled altogether, and that was the Indian Wells Tournament. And two other Masters tournaments, Miami and Monte Carlo, only had 65% participation for Miami. So no member of the big four, big three were there. And Monte Carlo was still not the best at 76%. So I guess what this means really is there's more opportunities for guys to make the draw that normally wouldn't make it. And there's been opportunity for, for other players to fill the void. So players like Karatsev have gone pretty far. Players like Her- Herkatch was able to win Miami Yannick Sinner is able to go further. So I think it's an interesting stat because we usually don't see this happen with Masters tournaments, right? We usually see a lot more players participating, but we'll see if it's an anomaly. We'll see if this 79%, 80% that Madrid has shown, if that's going to be holding the rest of the year at some of these other Masters tournaments. But thought that that was interesting, and that was credit of ultimatetennisstats.com talking about that participation rate. So I thought that was an interesting do you think that Karatsev would have exploded on the scene had uh, had some of these tournaments not been the way they were this year? Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, obviously his breakthrough was at the Australian, but like you're saying, these Masters tournaments and even some of the ATP 500, it's really hard to even make the main draw, um, even, even with a run like he had at Australian Open. I mean, he beat Djokovic, I think, at the Belgrade Open. So I don't know, to be honest, because... The qualities can be kind of brutal, so it's it's hard to say, but maybe not. 
but he's obviously had a great, great year so far. Most definitely. But yeah, any any thoughts, Matt? I guess so far the clay court season is definitely underway. Now we've had a few tournaments now so far. Any any initial thoughts on the clay before we dive into some numbers? On the clay in general? Yeah, just general clay court stuff. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's been a surprising clay season in general. Um, you've seen Nadal not have his best year ever. You've seen Sissipas take off. Team's been uh, mostly MIA. I guess he had one good tournament. Um, and Joker lost in his home country in a tournament at, what was that, a 250 that he should have just cleaned house. Right. Um, so I think it's been uh, it's been unique, to say the least. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree with you because I think we've had what we've had three clay court tournaments. I guess four if you count the one uh, that Novak participated in in his home country. But four different winners, right? We had CC Pass, like you said, really burst on the scene and uh, really take advantage in winning that Monte Carlo title over Rublev. Um, so that's a Masters one thousand, right? That's his maiden Masters. You had Nadal go ahead and defend Barcelona. We'll talk about those numbers, but it wasn't easy. He dropped. Several sets. CT Pass actually even had a match point over him in that match, but he was able to grit it out and win that one for a record 12th time. So he's he plays very well in Barcelona. But then you had Madrid where it wasn't CT Pass or Nadal. It was actually Alexander Zverev that went on a tear. We'll really, really talk about his numbers because that guy has been very impressive on clay mm-hmm. really his whole career, but especially lately. He beat Nadal in straights. He beat uh, who else did he beat? Uh, he beat uh, Dominic Team in the semis, and he beat uh, Berrettini, who is a very good player on every surface, but he's very good on clay as well in the final. So, yeah, kind of different champions. Like you said, Novak hasn't won a clay court tournament. This is kind of kind of weird. It's usually Novak and Nadal um, winning those tournaments. Maybe even Murray or Stan or somebody else doing well as well. But it's been four different guys, and besides Nadal winning Barcelona, I think. All those other ones maybe are a little surprising. So, yeah, definitely kind of more divided. Not not sure. Maybe it's more there's more parity on the clay than we would have yeah, thought. Is Stan hurt? What's up with him? Uh, good point. I don't know. I don't really know. I just remember he wa- he lost to uh, Fuskovic uh, in the first round of the Australian in five sets. But besides That's that, I really haven't heard right. much about Stan. Um, if he is playing, he's losing very early rounds. So I don't. I, w- I would imagine he's injured, but we'd have to look that yeah. up. I haven't heard much about him at all. So good question. I know team, like you were saying, team hadn't played in any clay court tournaments with the exception of Madrid, and he didn't do bad. He made the semis, but he did lose in straights to Zverev. But um, I know in my, I know in Rome, sorry, he just had one of the days of competition. He just made it to the second round. He kind of had to grit it out. Um, so. Who knows with team? Normally, he'd be that third favorite for Roland Garros this year. Maybe not so much, but maybe he'll play into it. Be interesting to see how he does at Rome, if he can go deep. But yeah, I think it's a lot more wide open this year. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I guess I guess let, let's let's go to uh, Zverev more and talk about Zverev. So talked about how we took down Nadal in straight sets. So Zverev now has four Masters titles, like I was saying, but I didn't realize this until. They were talking about it on Sunday that 
three out of his four Masters titles have come on clay. And huh. two of them have come in Madrid. He won Madrid in, I believe it was 2018. And then, of course, the other one he won, it was his maiden one. It was in 2017 over Roger Federer and the Canadian Masters. So three out of four Masters titles. Verov is uh, is not just, not just a fluke. Clearly, he's pretty good on the clay. And I was trying to figure out really honestly why, because he has, you know, he has some good traits for, you know, his bigger serve, I feel like would kind of do better more on hard courts, be natural moving around using more of his power game. But Clay, he just seems to have it figured out. I think he's very comfortable on the movement, on the variety with the slice. But honestly, from the numbers, I couldn't honestly tell why he's necessarily good on Clay. But we'll, we'll get into his numbers comparing them uh, this year to previous years. But Whatever, whatever it is, he's just he's able to. I think the return game is really what uh, what's able to do it for him. He's able to go through some longer rallies, use some of that spin, and really just keep the ball in and put some pressure. But whatever it is, he's comfortable on the clay and he's dangerous. Uh, we'll say that anyone who beats Nadal anywhere on clay, but especially in Spain um, on in straight sets, I think is pretty dangerous. So let's let's be honest, Madrid. Even though Nadal's won it several times. He hasn't won it 12 times. It's a little bit higher altitude. If he's going to get upset on the clay court tournament, it's generally going to be Madrid. Not not so much Barcelona or Rome or, of course, the French. So, to be fair, Madrid, I think it's a little bit trickier for him. But still, the way that he beat Nadal in Madrid was, was a little bit shocking, I think. But, I don't know, any thoughts on that, Matt, on, the, on Nadal in Madrid or Zverev? I mean... I guess he's really good on clay. He's legit, it seems like. So. <laughs> yeah, he's sneaky. Sneaky good. Right. Good for him, you know, to, to get that win. But can't say I was expecting it. Good no. thing I didn't put money on it. I definitely was not. I was more expecting, you know, Tsitsipas or even Rublev. And, and Rublev, right. maybe he hasn't underachieved on clay, but I was looking at some of his numbers, and his win percentage is definitely down on the clay. And it was saying, you know, he's, he's definitely not a bad clay court player. He can grit it out, but... I think he's just maybe a little bit more comfortable in the hard courts, can be a little bit more offensive because he's a very offensive player. But, I mean, he did beat Nadal as well, right, in Monte Carlo, but he made the final against Tsitsipas in Monte Carlo. But, yeah, I just don't think I think some of these other guys have a little bit more weapons or maybe they use their defense a little bit better than uh, someone like Rublev. So, I guess I guess I was thinking in my mind, you know, what's what's the deal with Nadal? Why is why is this year compared to other years? Why is he struggling? And I think last episode, we we kind of looked at some service numbers. He had a really high double fault rate against against Rublev. It was like eight or nine percent. So looking at these other matches, like when he lost to Zverev, the the number's not quite so high, but he's still double faulting more than I would think he would. And I know, you know. Clearly, obviously, to beat Nadal, right? You got to be more aggressive. He's vulnerable to, to players that play pretty high risk tennis. Uh, those that win a lot of first serve points, who can not only go for the first serve but back it up. But his strength is is going to be the second serve point. So if you if you miss your first serve and you get a second serve in, Nadal's looking to attack, right? And a lot of the top players do this. He wins those points at such a high clip that it's just really hard to even you know hold serve against Nadal and Clay. But so. Then I was just looking, okay, maybe it's not his return. The return numbers still look pretty good, but you know, let's look at his serve. And so looked at a graph of his double fault as a percentage on clay by season. And he's hovering a little bit 
between that one and a half and three percent, maybe three percent being his usual highest um, that he saw, like 2019. It's back in 2004, it looks like. But generally, you know, doesn't double fault that much. But looks like this year and 2020 was actually pretty low. It was below two percent. Of course, he only had two clay court uh, tournaments. You had the French, which he won, and Rome, which he lost in the quarters. But 2021, it's above four percent. It's getting to that close to four and a half percent mark, double fault rate. So again, I'm not really sure why, but it's by far the highest. If he keeps up this rate on the clay, this will be by far his highest double fault percentage in his whole career per this graph and per these numbers. So scratching my head a little bit, honestly, I don't know if is he going for more on the second serve. You know, I've mainly just been watching the highlights to see, but I guess as we get to the French Open, it's interesting to see if that holds up. But... Yeah, kind of scary. Double fault's not something that you – it's a free point you're giving to your opponent. So mm. not something the doll wants to do. But, again, I'm a little bit baffled by it. But that's that's what the numbers show. So That's a high number. That's, yeah. That's like Alex <laughs> – that's like Zverev at the beginning of this year when his serve was just atrocious. He got to the point where he was just hitting as hard as he could on that second serve because it didn't matter. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's not like Zverev, like you're saying. It's him. the beginning of the year was like atrocious. Last year, kind of struggling too. And this year, at least from the rates, uh, looking at the numbers, still not amazing. But I think he's able to get away with it a little bit more, um, even with a little bit higher double fault. So yeah, let's I guess jump into some numbers here. So we're we're already talking about Zverev. So let's let's talk about him. So I compared his last so this season on clay versus his career on clay because. It really just does seem like he's playing better. So I wanted to look why. At least his results are better um, lately. So I was looking at some numbers here. Serve numbers, uh, generally, so he's winning, looks like, 6% more service games uh, this year compared to his career. And the main number that I was seeing there is he's really upped his first serve percentage, or first serve points one, excuse me. So his career is 71%. This year is 76%. So... Those high 70s, I mean, that's looking like a fast, hard quarter grass. So Zverev is really able to, you know, obviously he hits that serve really hard, right? Hmm. Um, you know, 120, 130s is not out of the question for him, miles per hour, but he's able to really back up that first serve. He's winning a vast majority of those points. And I think that's the main thing that's translated. Actually, break points saved 5% worse than his career, which I don't know, maybe just a small sample size, but... That's really the only number that was significant was that first serve points one is up dramatically this year. So that's, again, I think that that's, you can attribute that to his increase in, it's pretty much, again, the same 5.5% first serve points one improvement to 76%, and he's winning about 6% more service games. So that seems to be kind of a linear relationship there on the return. The big numbers that I'm seeing, he's getting aced a little bit less this year by 1%, maybe not statistically significant, but he's winning 5% fewer breakpoints. So kind of odd there. And he's winning 3% fewer return games won. So kind of a question mark on that. Well, why is he having such a good year if he's winning less return games? But again, that offset, if he's winning 6% more service games and losing 3% more return games, you're still a net 3% on games won. And, and that's what it showed on the results. He's winning 6% more matches, which 
Might not seem like a lot, but when you go from 70% matches one to 77%, I mean, that's starting to look like Nadal, Djokovic, these guys that really don't lose that many matches. They might lose in the semis, maybe in the final, or they win it. So the difference between 70 and 77% is a really big difference um, there. And the only other thing I noticed was that the match, this time on court for Clay this year, but comparing this year to his career, is he's spending 20, point, 20 minutes excuse me, more on average on court. And again, that might not seem like a lot, but maybe he's just digging in more on some of these matches, playing a little bit more defense, maybe able to win some more three-setters. Not exactly sure why again, but that's again what the numbers are kind of showing. So, yeah, Zverev's definitely better this year on clay, but I think you can attribute that to his serve. He's really finding that first serve. I don't know if you have anything on, on Zverev there, Matt. Yeah, the only thing I would say is, based on those numbers, I would assume, and I haven't really looked at this, I'm trying to pull up some of the previous um, previous matches, but I would assume that he, because his return games are worse, that he's playing closer matches, right? Instead of, um, instead of maybe blowing somebody out by multiple breaks. Right. Maybe he's playing three, you know, going three setters on these best of three or, uh, whatever, but that doesn't really seem to be the case. At least in the Madrid, all of these were two setters. Well, maybe to your point, you know, against Nadal, it was six four six four, and I looked at the points, and we'll, we'll get there. He was very dominant. He won a vast majority of the points, but it was still, like you said, only a net break of one each. Right, just one break of so, the set, and that's exactly it, right? That's what so you're, you're holding your serve. It gives you the it gives you that you know security, and then all it takes is that one break and. You can you can survive with winning fewer return games, right? So, so yeah, like you're saying, if if you're having trouble breaking Zverev, might be in trouble because hmm. Clay it's easier to get broken, so he might have some better chances of getting you, or he could get you in a tie break. So, right. be very careful if Zverev serve is on and you're maybe not reading it correctly on the on on Clay, which normally wouldn't be maybe as big of a problem. You think of like a grass court match where. If you can't break, you have better hope for a tiebreaker. But it seems like Zverev's playing some some intense uh, grass court type tennis on the clay court. So and I don't know if this will hold up in Rome or or Roland Garros, but Madrid with the higher altitude, clearly it's it's helping him. He was playing very offensive with his serve. So let's go ahead and uh, shift gears for a minute. We'll come back to Alexander Zverev. Let's let's go first to Barcelona final. So. This was Tsitsipas. He's made the final there before. Nadal's beaten him there, also there before. So I honestly wasn't expecting – I mean, I was expecting Tsitsipas to play well, but I was expecting Nadal to beat him fairly handily, and that was that just wasn't the case. Uh, Tsitsipas was able to steal the second set in the tiebreak, and he even had match point a match point on Nadal. Um, he, it, was a, it was a decently long rally, saw the highlight, and he, he dumped it in the net with his backhand. So he had a chance, had he, you know, making a play there. You never know what's going to happen, but Nadal was able to survive. Really actually impressed the amount of grit. And he, when he celebrated, I mean, you would have thought he would have won, you know, the French Open or the Olympic gold or something because he was very much celebrating, even though places he's won a lot of times before. You could tell it meant a lot to him. And so I think in that in that regard, you know, this is probably good for him emotionally uh, to build off of that for this win, that he has confidence in his in his game. He was able to win a tight one, right? Sometimes it's hard. When you win a tight one, sometimes it feels good. But at the same time, you're like, Nadal's usually pretty dominant. How did it even get to that point? 
So I'm not exactly sure what that means. I think it's a net positive for Nadal. I mean, a win's a win, but maybe showing some cracks in the armor there. So I guess with that said, let's look at some numbers. So Tsitsipas versus Nadal. So Tsitsipas was ace and M, 4%. Um, not a huge deal, but Nadal, again, allowed 4% double faults uh, for the match. Tsitsipas closer to that 2.5%. Uh, so again, going back to the old graph with Nadal, Nadal's double faults. He's again, he's above 4% for the year on clay. So closer to that, that average, which is not, uh, not a good sign for if you want to hold. And then we go to first serve points one. Tsitsipas was a stellar 74%. So not quite as good as Zverev with a 76 or 77, but still really high numbers. Um, again, Tsitsipas, very offensive, very good at using his first serve. Nadal was still good at 69%. But really the difference here, it was almost a tale of two matches, was Tsitsipas could only win 44% of his second serve points one. So Nadal was feasting on his second serve. As he does, but first serve, he really couldn't really buy a, buy a point off of Tsitsipas. And then both guys saved a lot of break points, but Nadal was especially impressive at 85% break point saves. So lock or clutch, whatever you want to call it, that's that's pretty good number. Tsitsipas uh, saved 67% of his break points. So you go to the return game net, really both guys had almost identical return points overall. Tsitsipas won 36% return points to Nadal's 37 and a half. Again, Nadal couldn't really get, win a first serve return point, but he won a ton of second serve return points. So overall, this is kind of a toss-up match where it's like 50.5% Nadal on points and Tsitsipas, you know, just below that 49 and a half or so. So the and the other thing I wanted to point out, the match was super long. It was three and a half hours. It was over three and a half hours. So really, really long match. It all saved a lot of break points. Both guys were, looked fairly identical as far as return points won and really total points won almost. But again, Nadal was able to, to get it done in the end. But just interesting to see the numbers there. Kind of did it in different ways. You know, grinding a little bit of the longer points, more second serve points. Tsitsipas just so offensive, getting to net, getting that first serve points. So interesting contrastive styles there for those guys. Most definitely. But yeah, that's that's pretty much what I got on on that final. Unless you got anything, Matt. Uh, I think you covered everything. It's a good match. Yeah, those highlights in particular were super fun to watch. Again, Tsitsipas, I can just tell he's getting more and more comfortable on the clay. More and more comfortable. I mean, not that you're ever comfortable facing Nadal, but I remember when he's first faced first couple times facing Nadal on clay. You know, losing very badly. You know, straight sets, you know, six two, six ones type of thing. But he's definitely holding his own a lot better. So it'll be interesting to see how he builds on that in Rome and in Roland Garros itself if he can get some better results. So, well, that was Barcelona, the ATP 500, and we'll go over to the the Madrid Masters. So let's look at Zverev beating Nadal in the quarterfinals. So again, that double fault rate for Nadal, four and a half percent. Again, don't know why that pattern's there. He might, maybe it's strategic. Maybe his coach is telling him to go for more on the second serve, but he's double faulting 4.5%. Not good. Zverev, though, double faulted even worse. Back to the normal Zverev, 9%. So double that. He's still able to win, which is interesting. I think his ace count was, was high. It was, looks like it was 7% ace count. So I think his aces were able to offset those double faults, but 
Both guys need to take care of their second serve and not double fault as much. And then looks very similar to me like the Tsitsipas match where Zverev, let me read you this number here, and don't be too shocked, 82% first serve points won. That's ridiculous. Ridiculously high. Even Federer would be you know, shocked to have a number that high. That's a pretty high number. But his second serve points won were 43%. So just like Tsitsipas, you know, was winning almost all of his first serve points, but couldn't really get a second serve point. I mean, 43%, that's it's hard to win a match when it's that low. But his first serve percentage was 62%. So it had a decently high first serve percentage. Nadal didn't see as many second serve points. Um, on Nadal's side of it, he was able to take care of 50% of his second serve points won. So again, he's doing what he does on clay. He's going to win those longer rallies. He wins his second serve. And he wins his opponent's second serve. So interesting there. But overall, in the end, that disparity on the first serve return points Nadal only won 33% return points total to Zverev's 42%. So Zverev was feasting. That's a pretty high number overall on return points to Nadal's. You know, he's winning a third of them. That's that's not going to get the job done with the, the high first serve percentage. So overall, Zverev, this led to a pretty lopsided 54% total points won, which again, as we talk about, even seeing a 52% or higher with a big enough sample size, you know that's probably going to be a decisive win. And it was still a break apiece, 6-4, 6-4. But the numbers would show here that I mean, maybe not super in doubt. And that was uh, an hour and 40 minutes uh, for those two sets. So maybe a little longer for 6-4, 6-4. But I guess you got to hand it to Zverev. Was able to, to win despite having a bunch of double faults. Yeah, that's impressive. I mean, if you showed me that match time and <laughs> say, oh, Rafa cleaned house again. Yeah. Took care of business on clay, but no, it was the other way around. Yep. So went on and did what he did. Yeah, so let's let's jump to the final. He was able to beat team in uh, in straight sets, but had to overcome Berrettini in three. So Berrettini, yeah, just very impressed with that guy. He's got a really good game, a power game, but also he's he's always had the good drop shots, good variety, which I think lends itself really well to the clay. So ace count for Berrettini was 6.5% to Zverev's 5%. But Zverev, again, double faults, not quite 9%, but 7.5% double faults for him. So, again, he was still able to overcome with a few more double faults. But the numbers here were Zverev was able to win 55% of his second serve points won to Berrettini's 44%. And then both guys were in the 70s for their first serve Zverev is a little bit better at 76% to Berrettini 72. So Berrettini's also got a huge serve, first serve especially. So he's able to be effective there. But his second serve, it looks like Zverev definitely feasted on that. And then on the return overall, uh, Zverev was able to win 37% return points to Berrettini's 30.5%. So looking more kind of like the Nadal match where, you know, Nadal was 33% low 30s. For Berrettini, again, low 30s, and Zverev was almost 40, you know, high 30s. So just able to win more points, put more pressure on the return. That's a good recipe for you there. So overall, Zverev won 52% of the total points, and he did this in two, a little over two and a half hours for three sets. So, yeah, pretty uh, pretty close match there. Would have been Berrettini's first, uh, or his maiden Masters title, but Zverev instead gets his second title in Madrid and fourth overall. So... He's turned into a juggernaut, especially on the clay.
Yep. So a good final. Good for him. Yeah. No, it was it was pretty exciting. Bertini's like I said, he's a fun guy to watch as well. So let's let's go to Nadal. I was reading an article, of course, and they were talking about how oh, this is Nadal's worst he's ever done on clay on the Masters titles uh, or Masters tournaments because he hasn't even made the semis this year, which is true. He made quarterfinals at both Monte Carlo and Madrid, and they're not looking at Barcelona, even though he won it because that's not a Masters tournament. But if you go back to 2015, he did make the semis in Monte Carlo. After that, he the best he did was a finalist um, in Madrid. After that, not too good. He ended up losing the French in the quarters in straight sets to Djokovic. I think he was struggling with injury maybe, but just wasn't having the best year. So right now, Nadal is on pace for a similar score percentage is what I'll call it. Uh, 33% that year. Right now, this year, he's tracking a 34%. And so the way we get that score is kind of totaling up the points for how well Nadal does in each of the, the intermediate tournaments, right? And the different masters. If it's uh, if he wins the masters 1000, that's a thousand points out of a thousand. If he, you know, makes the, the third round, whatever, there's a certain amount of points for each one totaled up. So there's still a chance he can still win Rome and kind of reverse that trend. Like this article is talking about, or he's going to have similar numbers uh, to the year he's in 2015. Every other year he's been, you know, his average is 77%. So winning effectively two and a half tournaments out of the out of the four leading up to the French Open. And so that kind of gives you a little, you know, equivalent score of equivalent tournaments won. But this year he's on track for one tournament, not even a master's tournament. So I honestly, like I said, we don't really know what's going on with Rafa. I think the young guys are getting better. Serves a little bit shakier. But at the same time, you can never count him out. Would be my uh, would be my take on it. Again, I think he can still go really far in Rome. He looked really good beating Sinner Sinner today, and Sinner's been on a tear on clay or really any surface. He's been playing really well. So, I'll say yeah, I was surprised that he got stuck with Sinner for right. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say I was surprised that he got stuck with Sinner for a first round or I guess second round match. That's a that's brutal. It's a tough, for, yeah, tough round. Yeah, that's what's hard about the Masters titles or Masters draws is really every round you can face someone really good. <laughs> Unlike the slams where, uh, you know, you might not see someone really good for a couple rounds. But, right. yeah, Sinner's first, second round, that's a brutal draw. But, yeah, um, so, again, not entirely sure to make of it. You know, so far he has dropped, it looks like, seven sets. And that's so far, not including Rome. Um, the worst he's ever done was 10 sets in 2014, which he still won the French. And then he dropped nine sets in that year in 2015. So if he loses, if he loses Rome, he'll be at least at nine sets dropped at least. So definitely not ideal if you're an Nadal fan, but at the same time, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, the sky's not falling yet. I would say he's, there's still plenty of time to play into a, you know, Rome is is closer to the French as far as conditions than any of them probably. You know, Madrid's a little bit too high altitude. Monte Carlo is similar, but it's early on where maybe you don't quite have your clay game yet. Um, so I think I think Rome is a, a better bar a barometer there, and Nadal's been very effective in Rome. He won it in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. He didn't win it last year, but we'll uh, we will see. I will say. 
Nadal's still a force on the clay. I mean, there's got to be <laughs> there's going to be some moment finally where it ends, the domination ends. But who knows? I mean, you're obviously starting to see a more human side of him. Best of five is always always more difficult than best of three. I think that'll play into it big time. You've got all of these matches that he's lost have all been pretty intense. I guess the Vera took him in straight sets, but that one against Sissipas was um, how many sets was that? Was that? That was three. That was three. Yeah, it's just it's a lot harder to maintain uh, the level that you need to beat in it all on clay. And you've got to get three sets out of it instead of two. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, I agree. Five sets is definitely banished at all, for sure. But who knows if, like you're saying, if there's a year that you would say looking at the numbers and it's assuming he doesn't win Rome, assuming he's on par for that 34%, according to my little calculations here, I would say this would be the year he wouldn't win because it's somewhere mm -hmm. to 15. But again, yeah. I think you got to throw the numbers out a little bit with Nadal because he's so comfortable there in Roland Garros. He's so good there, you know, crowd or no crowd. He's just very comfortable. And like you said, best out of five is hard to beat him anywhere, but especially in Roland Garros. So I think it's difficult, but we're just trying to get a sense for, you know, is it a coronation kind of even from the start or is there going to be some challengers? You know, is there, is there a chance he doesn't win it type of thing? Cause it's like anything, I think there's some probability to it, even if he's a favorite. How strong of a favorite is he, basically, right? He's always going to be the favorite there, but how strong of a favorite? So with that being said, let's kind of forecast a little bit into Rome. I wanted to get your takes, Matt. Who who are you looking at? You know, and, and you can take Rafa as your first pick, but if you're gonna you're gonna do a second or third pick, who are you looking at on the clay? Who do you think is gonna go pretty far in Rome? Well, that's a good question. Let me pull up the draw real fast. Yeah, I think um, while you're pulling it up, so I think just at the bottom of the page there, we have kind of the favorites that Ultimate Tennis Stats is thinking. So you can kind of compare and contrast with that. So, so let me first read off those favorites and see if you agree with those. So first one, they got Nadal. Big shocker there. He's a 34% mm -hmm. chance, which seems really high. But if you think about it, they're, they're only giving him, you know, there's a two-thirds chance he doesn't win it, right? So if you look at it that way, you're like, oh, wow. So, but still, he is the strong favorite by a lot. They're giving a 34% chance to win it. And Djokovic naturally is the second um, second pick at 25%, so almost 10% drop there in favorite. And then from there, it gets even a huge drop from there. Third, surpri I'm surprised they give team the third pick, to be honest, at uh, almost 11%. Zverev, I think it's fair, at 4%. Or, sorry, number four at uh, 9%. And then Tsitsipas at 6, Rublev all the way at 4%, and then Karatsev, look at that guy calling out there, 7% or number okay. 7 at 4%, and then Berrettini, he's the 8th favorite, Batista Gu at 9, and then Felix, uh, Felix Ajur Aliasim at the 10th favorite, which is also kind of surprising. So I don't know. What do you think on their, on their order there? Do you think they got it? No, I think I think they're going more off historical here than than this year's play. The Elo probably then. Yeah, so that's probably true. Yeah, because there's no way. I mean, I'd pick a lot of these players over team at the moment. Heck, I'd pick a lot of these players over joke. I think. Yeah, 
That's fair. I don't know. He said he's shifted his focus to strictly the slams, pretty much. And I don't know. I think that's kind of showing. We'll see. He has a, an impressive ability to turn it on when he wants to. Absolutely. I think he's got to find a, a desire to win these other tournaments if he well, wants I, to. And exactly. And he hasn't even played all of the clay. I mean, he didn't even play no, Madrid. Yeah. So he lost yeah. to Dan Evans early in Monte Carlo. Didn't play Barcelona, lost to Karatsev in the semis or court. The thing is, he went kind of he went pretty far. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think if he doesn't lose early round, it, he could really have a chance to at least go really deep and knock some of these other guys out. But I don't yeah. know. And that's true too. Maybe yeah, maybe he just kind of plays it plays it cool until he gets further into the tournament and says, "All right, I guess I'll win this one." All right. So who? So who you got? So you get you get one other person you can pick for person that. If you want to pick on who's one other person that you wouldn't be surprised or you say, yeah, that'd be my guy without looking at the draw necessarily, just who you think is playing pretty well. Well, so Zverev is in Rafa's side of the draw. And I got to say, beating Rafa twice on clay in close time points, probably pretty difficult. So I'm going to take him out. Okay. But at the same time, on the other side of the draw, you've got your stacked. You've got Joke, who, like we said, could just go crazy. You've got Sissipas, you've got Team, and you've got Bautista Goot. They're That's all good. Crazy. They're all good players. Yeah, it's a stacked draw. I don't know. I, honestly, I think it's a flip of the coin. I would I would stick with Sissipas. Why not? That's kind of what I'm thinking, honestly. Even though Zverev's kind of the hot flavor of the week, and he is really good on clay, I think Tsitsipas. I, I'm interested to see him. I hope him and Djokovic get to play because that's a rematch of the uh, Roland Garros last year where you know Tsitsipas lost the first two sets, right. pushed him to five. I'd be really interested to see. I think he can beat Djokovic. He has the game to beat him. You really yeah. see. I'm, I'm unsure on team, even though I really like his game on clay. I'm just unsure mentally where he's at. So to me, right. me CT Pass is a more natural pick there as far as um, who could take on Rafa. And but Zverev is also there too. So I, I'd go one of those two guys. And again, I'm surprised that, that they're putting team above both CT Pass and Zverev. But like I said, maybe it's ELO based. Yep. Um, let's see, what else was I going to say? Do you do you feel like that's the same for Roland Garros? If, of who you think could be the favorites? I mean, Joe yeah, I, so. I wouldn't say he's not a favorite, but I'm unsure if he'd be the second favorite. You generally, team has gone further than him. It's kind of been Nadal, team, Djokovic the last few years on who actually makes the final. But yeah, I was going to say if team ever figures it out on clay this year, it would probably be in the French. I feel like it's easier to get your get your mind right in a Grand Slam than it is some of these smaller tournaments. Yeah, so I, I would draw, say team. Yeah, I would say team has a bigger, bigger argument for going further than than others. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think. I think if Rafa loses, I don't think it's going to be joke, right? Of the big three, I think Rafa's the only one that really has any merit there. You are you are you talking French? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Yep, that'd be pretty cool to see. You know, a young guy can run up and, and win win the French if Nadal doesn't, right? So and I think the odds are pretty good because a lot of these old names, like Chilich lost pretty easily to Pass today, 
right? So a lot of these old older players, they're not uh, they're not putting themselves in position to win. Really, it's it's the big three or nothing. And, and Feder, you know, you know, he's not a bad clay court player, but even with the match fitness coming into from Geneva going into the French, can't really favor him against the um, uh, a fit young guy who can take him to five sets. So as much as I want Federer to go far, which I, I think he'll do fine. I think he can go far. I just don't know if I'd see him beating a, a Zverev or a Tsitsipas in a five-set match. I think Fed's on the retirement tour. <laughs> I mean, it is just possible. Just all these tournaments. It is possible. So people can see him one more time. And even <laughs> if he doesn't know for sure, if he goes, eh, I'm not sure if it'll heal up, why not do the French, you know? Sure. If you know you're not going to win it, what's the what's the harm in playing as long as you don't get hurt, you know? Yeah. So I'm not I'm not sure if he knows he's retiring necessarily, but I don't. At the same time, I don't think he's uh, ruling it out. If that makes sense? Because yeah. it's really hard to know if your body really is up and down. You're like maybe I will retire, you know. So I hope not. But the game is in good hands if he, if Feder does choose to retire soon. And okay, let's let's talk real quick. The one name that's conspicuously absent here. So you look at the rankings on this page, right? So Nadal's ranked number three in the world. Of course, he should be top for clay, but overall rankings, Djokovic number one, team four. Where's our number two guy? Where's Medvedev? What's he doing? <laughs> he's just accepted his fate. I mean, when, yeah, he's just brutally honest with it at this point, which I think is probably bad. <laughs> The way that he talks about his clay court oh. or his love for the clay in he just the looks press. Miserable. He just looks miserable. <laughs> I know. Oh, um, poor guy. He's got such yeah. a good game. I, I really do feel like in a lot of ways, you know, he's got he's got better defense than some of these guys. He's got really good top spin. He's got good serve. I don't I don't know why he couldn't be playing better than Zverev on clay, honestly, but he just doesn't. He really it's the movement and it's the mental. Right. You know, I don't think he enjoys it. I just saw him lose to Karatsev today, which is yeah. not that Karatsev's a bad player. He's clearly showing he's an elite player, but it's like, come on, you know, you yeah. shouldn't be losing. You're the number two guy in the world. You shouldn't be losing in yeah. the second round of uh, Rome. But again, he's out of Rome. He's uh, he's crashed out of every tournament he's played in on clay. So I don't expect him to go far in Roland Garros. Hmm. And maybe he'll be like a Murray where, remember, Murray was really bad on clay, always complained about it. And all of a sudden, he starts, he beats Nadal in Madrid. He beats Nadal in clay. He makes a French Open final, takes the first set off Djokovic. You know, all of a sudden, he's like one of the better clay court players. You're like, what is going on here? You know? And I think it was not only being more comfortable, but eventually just embracing the clay instead of complaining that it's not Wimbledon. He was enjoying it. So I, I don't know if that's going to be the same for Medvedev, but. Medvedev is one of the better defensive players, and Clay is all about the defense and grinding the long rallies. I don't see why Medvedev couldn't play well. He has the tools, I think, but I digress. I don't think it'll be this year for the poor guy. <laughs> no, far from it. Maybe that's his ploy. Maybe he's just fooling everyone. I doubt Maybe. it. Maybe. <laughs> He loses to his Russian compadre, the Karatsev, who, you know, I know he loves Karatsev, but it's like there's a pecking order there that's not being followed on the clay. So. I'm interested to see Rublev as well. I know he can play pretty well on the clay. It'd be interesting to see if he can get some better results here. But, I mean, playing Pass, that's a 
Since boss is hard to play anywhere right now. He's pretty good. I want to see. I'm very interested to see how the draw shakes out. Where Saitsi Pass is rare than team land, right? I mean, you could get unlucky and have two out of those three guys on your side, you know, on Rafa's side or Djokovic's side. I'd be interested to see because I think those are three of your better guys on clay that can yeah. take out pretty much anybody if they're playing well. Well, if anything, Medvedev will mess up a lot of that seating. Right, because he's he's the number two. So I know they do it differently because Wimbledon doesn't. Don't they take into consideration performance they, from the previous year? They do. They but take. I think they're the only ones. Grass. But but French, everyone else does straight up. Uh, Just the world straight, ranking. Straight up seeding. So I don't know if Medvedev will keep his number two. That's interesting. Oh, that's true. That's true. I think if Rafa can pull off some wins here, he might be able to sneak up there. Um. Let me see rankings. Yeah, Nadal's pretty close. He's only 100 points off, 150 points away. So I think if Nadal can get some – if he can win Rome at least or do well in Rome, because I, I think he did quarterfinals last year. So he's got to do better than quarters. Yeah. The semis, if he goes semis or wins it, or finals or wins it, I think he will take the number two spot. Gotcha. And, and I think that will give him enough time because you need time for the, the, the race to reset there, or the, the week to reset. But, yeah. It's in Nadal's hands because if Nadal and Djokovic are on the same side of the draw, that'll be even more interesting. But Ooh. that would be crazy. That would be. So yeah, I would expect Nadal to leapfrog Medvedev, but the number two, he just cannot win play match. But I mean, real quick, I know they said you know Felix Azur Aliassim, he's the tenth favorite. Interesting, he just beat Schwartzman, who you know that guy's an mm -hmm. amazing clay quarter, beat Nadal last year in Rome. And he beat him pretty impressively today in Rome. So, you know, I think he started off a little slow. People are like, oh, yeah, you got Tony Nadal in your corner as your coach. Yeah, that's what he I was going to he, he, he was losing pretty good early on. But <laughs> I think he, you know, he's working hard. He's, he's playing some really nice forehands, really powerful strokes. So we'll see how he does. But, yeah, it's interesting. It was interesting watching his highlights today. I wonder if Tony's realizing that there's only one Rafa in the world. <laughs> uh, there is only one Rafa. Isn't this true? Yeah, some other fun guys on the clay are the def definitely Casper Rude. Monfils always puts up a show, especially for the Parisian crowd. <laughs> yeah. Dolphin isn't isn't bad. Uh, Batista Good, obviously we mentioned him. He's he's been right. really impressive. He's had a quiet, quiet season so far, but yeah. Yeah, he, he really ran it. Ran it back last year, that's for sure. The year before last. Yeah, those are about the players that I see being dangerous. Um, of course, there's others as I'm going through, but our fetter, see where he goes. Berrettini, we mentioned him. He's he's pretty fantastic on the on the clay. So It'll be interesting to see. All right, Matt. Ultimately, you picking it all for the French this year? Yeah, I gotta. All right, picking him. I'll, I made a, I made an oath that I'm gonna stop picking him. That I'm gonna that I'm gonna not I'm not gonna pick against him every year because it doesn't work out for me. So I'm going I'm going to all, but it's it's oh, not perfect, a strong favorite. Right. Most years would be a strong favorite. This year I'm not I'm not I'm going more with like a thirty percent chance he wins, which is still good faith. That's. <laughs> I'm still favoring him because I'm, I don't think anyone else has anywhere close to a 30% chance, but yeah, yeah we'll this go, we'll is probably the wrong year to start picking Rafa. 
Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> I will. I will say definitely not the strongest he's looked, but I'm interested to see Rome. If he wins Rome, then I'll be. I'll be. I'll say he's yeah. a strong favorite. Yeah. If he doesn't win Rome or comes up looking not so good, I would say still favorite, but definitely not strong. So. That's what I got on the clay court matches. So hopefully we can do one more recording, maybe look at the French Open draw, analyze Rome, and do one last look at Nadal's numbers for the clay court. But as always, visit us at cognitionsphere.com. Theme music was brought to us by Kevin MacLeod with excerpts from his song Cool Rock. And as always, please share our podcast with a friend that loves tennis and take a minute and write a quick review. Um, if you're enjoying this podcast, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen. And as always, next time, until next time, we will see you on the court. <laughs>